Welcome, this is the People and Technology Podcast. I'm Jared Cameron, and we're live at HR Tech Fest today. As per usual, I'm joined by David Gazzarotto. Dave, how you doing? Good, mate. A bit of buzz here today. It's fantastic. There is, isn't it? We're just getting near to the lunch break, actually, and we've, uh, we've got Barb Hyman here from the REA Group joining us on the hot seat today. Barb, how are you doing? I'm doing great. You've actually just come out of one of your presentations, right? You've just been speaking. I have. It was a real privilege to be able to talk to REA. I haven't been there for all of its life. It's 20 years old now. 20 years? Started in a garage in Doncaster. That's cool. And now it's a a company that sits across four continents, nine countries, with almost 87 million average visitors a month. 87 uh, million? Yeah. Yeah. So I think people think of it as... um, uh, our URL, which is realestate.com.au, yeah. but it's a lot more than that, and it's a lot more global, I think, than people understand. So it's amazing. Yeah, well, I've, I'm, I'm a Melbourneian who now lives in Sydney, so I now use realestate.com every day. Good, like, like most of like our most users. Sydney, Sydney yeah. siders, we're always checking the property market. Yeah. You can't help yourself, though. <laughs> it's can an you? Australian obsession, yeah. and we love it. We <laughs> want it to keep going. I'm sure. Yeah, it's a cool. it's a pretty amazing service, and I know uh, Bob from our conversation earlier. You know. Um, you're really looking at that experience that the customer has on your website mm. and, and working with your organisation and thinking mm. about how to apply that within, mm. within your company. I know that's what you've been talking about today in your speech, actually. You know? Tell us a bit about how you're looking at the consumer digital experience and mm. thinking about you know, how do we apply that to HR? Mm. Yeah, look, that's a great question and that's my passion. Um, so REA is, unlike a lot of companies, actually started as a digital company. It's a digital disruptor. Yeah. You know, we didn't become digital. You're a digital native company. That's exactly. We're one of the few in, that's born and bred in Melbourne that's yeah. gone global. And when you join REA, and I'd go back to my own experience of joining 18 months ago, it didn't feel like I was joining a digital company. And you look at the experience that consumers have and the beautiful products we create for our consumers, and I think, well, why can't we do the same yep. for our people? And so for me, our mission in HR is about trying to align the experience of being an employee with the experience that we offer to our consum- consumers. That doesn't always mean it has to be digital, but it has to be something that people really connect with emotionally. Um, and that they want to be a part of and that they love being a part of. What was sort of driving the push towards, you know, you talked about when you joined it 18 months ago, it didn't really feel much like it was sort of a digital company. Is, is that what's been sort of driving you down that path or is this sort of a personal mantra of yours to take consumer-like experiences, you know? Yeah, look, it's a great question. So the, the thing that's really driving it is if you think strategically, the thing that's going to make us successful going forward is our ability to attract amazing digital mm. talent. Mm. And that's a global challenge because yep. everyone wants the same talent and we know through research that we're going to run out pretty quickly and even in Melbourne it's a bit of a revolving door through the same organisations and so the way it feels to be at REA from the very minute that you have a conversation with someone about a role or actually even before that when you look at our career site to then when you're an alumni needs to marry up to the high expectations of a really scarce and talented talent pool. Um, and so we have to actually start to create a more inspiring experience mm. of being an REA. And it also creates a great culture. So for us, culture is our competitive edge um, because, you know, at the end of the day, how many ping pong tables can you have? Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, how many <laughs> other lunches. can you do? Yeah, that's not going to keep... It's not why people come yeah. and it's not why people stay. It's the culture. Mm. Uh, and so for us, looking at the employee experience and creating something that marries up with our consumer experience is part mm. of creating a great culture. Yeah, absolutely. So we, we hear a lot about engagement. Um, it's, a big, you know, it's a big buzz. There's a lot of HR technology mm. driving towards that. Um, tell us about engagement at REA and, mm. and how that's you know, supported. Look, I, I think that for me, part of applying consumer principles, so yeah. CX and UX principles, is going and listening 
to your customer. And so engagement surveys are a really important tool to do that. But like most companies, what we had was an old school one. I think it was by one of the old accounting firms that took two months to get the results. Yep. It was very hard to share it with people. So it kind of felt stale and inaccessible and not particularly user-friendly from the very first experience of it. Mm. So the first thing we do is move to an online survey and we use CultureAmp. The second is we created a whole campaign. Think of it like a marketing campaign. Mm. Because mm. from last time we knew because we didn't share the results three or four years ago that we, people were a little bit cynical about are you going to listen? Yeah. And when you're looking at young people, they really want to be heard. Yeah, they and do. And so we created what I think is almost like a winning marketing campaign around getting people to really engage in yep. the engagement survey. Yeah. So that's the first step because yep. if you don't get that and you don't get the participation, then the results don't mean very much. So we had 96 participation in our first, similar in our second. We've just run our third. We do them every six months and we had 92% wow. response rate, I should say. And engagement is also in the 85 mm. plus. And so for me, that participation shows that people really believe and trust yeah. and want to give their feedback. So we've solved for that yep. great UX experience on yeah. the survey. And it feels like, I know um, in Jason's, Jason's Averbrook's keynote this morning, he talks about going from adoption to addiction. And that's, you know, adoption's about, you can force people to adopt something. You know, I think, you know, I think that about engagement as well. You can force people to be engaged, you know, pay them more or you know, use instruments like mm. that. But to get them to addiction... That's a very personalised connection that they make. It's almost at the DNA level. Mm. Um, and and is, that, is that kind of the experience you guys are finding as you, as you take this digital HR journey? Yeah, I, I mean, if you look, there's a number of different things that drive towards that being critical in terms of the culture and the way we do things and people and culture. One is if you look at people these days, and they want meaning and purpose. Mm. They want to believe in why they're doing what they're doing and they want to find meaning every day because yeah. we spend more than a third of our lives at work. Mm. And so you need to invest in that and and the second thing is people want to be led and empowered and trusted yep. they don't want to be told and directed um, and so that's the other reason why actually creating an engagement and commitment and excitement about what you do is really important I think policy is another area where that comes into play yep. which is if you have a policy it doesn't mean anything because it's mostly around behaviour yep. so for me balancing that relationship between compliance and commitment how do you get people to commit to something mm. that's really important from a risk management perspective it's not through putting out a policy yeah. It's through helping people understand and self-navigate and self-solve. And we in make the same problems, the don't we? Policy itself is something you you can actually understand. Of course, we make some of the same problems, don't we? When you talked about commit versus compliance, you know, if you think about the learning we expect people to go through, it's very compliance-centric mm. often. So it's you do this or you don't do this. It doesn't promote self-solving like you just described. How have you got around that? How have you promoted a culture of self-solving? Mm. Well, the first thing is we don't put out a lot of policies. Um, there's only two that I've sponsored since I've been there in almost 18 months. So to me, what you choose to put a policy around shapes culture as well as what you don't. Um, the second is when we do do it, it doesn't look like a policy. It doesn't read like a policy. It doesn't feel like a policy. We talk about the way we do things. We don't talk about policies. Uh, and I think the language you use is really important. You know, communication being authentic and real so that your nine-year-old can understand it yeah. and read it and actually will sit down and read it with their friends or family because ultimately it's about often benefits and it isn't something you want people to sit and read on a screen at a desk and then move on. It's, you know, how do you provide enough parameters? We call it freedom within a box with a mm. language that people really connect with, that they trust what yep. you're trying to do and they understand why you're trying to do it. Yeah. I think that's a, in the nature of organisations now too. We're moving away from the hierarchical command and control where we always used to force that policy and... and um, 
you know, what you must do stuff down. We, we've now got, yeah. you know, networks of teams and organisations and it's, it's a much more fluid model. So we've got to be using more intrinsic motivation. Yeah, you, you want to learn a culture. Um, not a not yeah. a knowing culture, mm. yeah. and that starts with the leaders in terms of their role modelling around that. And mm. you know, the great untapped potential is human capital. But you're not going to get that if you tell someone with a way to solve their problem. You're going to yeah. get it through setting an inspiring vision, yep. and then helping them along the way when they need your help. Yeah, it's interesting. I've, um, I know it's a bit naff to talk about um, parenting and kids, but there's. Um, a, a, a textbook that I read around parenting and it talked about enabling versus empowering um, and that was it's a similar concept really because enabling is you do it for them right so you, you tell them what you should do you tell them what you should do and, and empowerment is you kind of guide them and, and shift their thinking so that they can actually take the action themselves that you want them to do. Um, and I think there's a really strong yeah, parallel yeah, there. That's right. I've got to just say, David, when I heard you use the word naff, I have a 15-year-old daughter. I <laughs> used that once in a text to her and she said, Mum, the 80s called. They want the word naff. <laughs> and every time I hear it, I laugh. <laughs> that's funny. It's appropriate for <laughs> Dave too, actually. We're the same vintage, I think. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's good. I, um, we, we had a uh, dads and lads camping night for my uh, seven-year-old. He's going year two, year three on Friday night. And he and I did this little dad jokes routine. And uh, we brought the house down. So <laughs> by the time they're Keep 15, it, it's a bit different. You. Yeah. <laughs> You've got a few years in the bucket before you've got to worry about that, Dave. Yeah, absolutely. So, Bob, you know, you've, you've talked us through, you know, a lot of information, I guess, around taking the concepts of, you know, what we see in the consumer experience, bringing that into HR. How do we engage with people? How do we get their voice heard? You know, what are some of the benefits that you're starting to see from, you know, having gone down this process? Mm. So there's a couple of things that enable it. You know, one is the communications channels you use. So we've just rolled out Slack globally. Uh, and it's pretty unbounded in terms of how people engage with that. I mean, there mm. are certain parameters around saying the right thing and, um, you know, etiquette on social media. But the fact that people from across the nine countries can connect on work and personal stuff really is very um, inspiring because people love being part of a global company. That mm. means a lot to why people come. Um, I think um, so. The, and the other and the other piece of that is around the actual communication. So I write all of my own communications, yeah. you know. And there's, I, I didn't appreciate until I joined REA how much importance there is in the language and that tone you use. And yeah. So when you stand up, I get critiqued if I use corporate talk. You know, I've got yeah. to talk in a way that wow. people really connect with and trust yep. and so the importance the symbolism of language and even symbolism like our office which is beautiful you know it's sort of very modern is all open space we practice and live agile and so at mm. any one time you can walk around to people's agile walls and see what their product roadmaps are you can go to their stand-up so that creates That's opportunities great. for collaboration yeah it's openness you know there's no we're all kind of in this together we're one company trying to build an amazing experience for consumers and customers so yeah. we're not we're not wanting to reinforce silos through the way that we're physically design our spaces and yep. create boundaries around what you can and can't go along to mm. yeah I think it's, it's almost like we're we're on this quest for authenticity now. I think that's, you know, a lot of organisations got caught up in uh, how we should and, you know, particularly around communications. Um, you know, I think this more fluid style of just tapping into what what we do, you know, how we communicate generally mm. um, and then picking that up from an organisational con- mm. context, I think mm. that's a, it's mm. a really 
um, strong focus for a lot of organisations right now. Yeah, and but people want to feel heard. I mean, you can say what you want about the election. I won't get into that. Mm, but yeah. at the end of the day, what Trump did is he replayed what people's concerns exactly. were. And whether there's authenticity in his ability to, to do anything on that is a second question. But True. people felt like he was listening because he used their language and yeah. he echoed yep. their sentiments. So, you know, I, I think it's the, it's the same here. And people have choices, you know, mm. for the... For mm. the designers that work for us they could get jobs yep. any Anywhere. minute and yep. so how do you make sure that they genuinely feel like what they're what they want and what they need and what they're looking for matters and they're looking for career growth as well and so that's a dialogue right that isn't something that's a yeah. one-time benefit so it's an ongoing conversation with our people yeah for sure that's great. Gosh, we've covered all sorts of great topics, Barb. Thank you so much. It's we've, a pleasure. We've run out of time, unfortunately, but you know, thank you so much for joining us on the uh, People and Technology podcast at HR Tech. And yeah. for all of our listeners out there, um, you know, no doubt you've experienced REA's service, and now you know a little yeah. bit more about the inner workings of how the organisation yeah. operates as well. Thank That's you great. for joining That's us. It's a pleasure. Enjoy the rest of the Tech Fest. Yeah, thanks very much. Awesome.